The following audio is from Pathway Community Church. More information about Pathway Community Church is available at www.pathwaycommunity-church.org. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, your love, your faithfulness. We don't deserve it. But your grace is so evident in our lives for those of us that know you. Lord, there's no one like you. Lord, you are high and exalted. You are above all names. You are the sovereign Lord. You are the risen King. You are the mighty God. And Lord, we worship you today and we look to you and declare that only you, God, uh, have life. And so we, we come to you for life and, and direction. This week, uh, we have sinned against you and we ask that you would forgive us. You are the forgiver. Please forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lord, we ask you to bring an end to COVID. And, and to bring healing to those that are suffering with COVID or suffering with, with any other sickness or illness today. You are the healer. You are the great physician. Only you can bring healing to our bodies. And so we ask that you would heal those who are sick and hurting today. Lord, we ask you to bring an end to the violence in the city of Chicago. I was like, oh my goodness, every week we hear about more innocent people being shot And children being killed. And Lord, we pray, please bring an end to the violence. You are the Prince of Peace. And we ask that you would bring your peace to the city of Chicago and to our world. We ask for healing and comfort for those in Beirut, Lebanon, who were hurt by that terrible explosion this this week. Lord, would you, you are the comforter. Would you bring comfort to those families? Would you heal those that were injured? And, and through that even, I know there's a couple, uh, Drew Peterson and his wife, that are serving in Beirut with Converge. Would you use them and their team to bring the good news of Jesus to the people there? May they find the hope and comfort of Jesus. Lord, there's division in our country. You are, you are the only one who can reconcile us. And so would you help us to, be, to find reconciliation in you? And would you help us to be ambassadors of that reconciliation? And our leaders, Lord, they need wisdom, and you alone are wisdom. And so would, would our leaders turn to you and humble themselves and find wisdom in you? And Lord, our church, we need power, we need strength and encouragement. And you are the Jehovah Jireh. You are the provider. Would you provide what we need? Would you continue to be faithful to us? And, and, and Lord, I even pray that would you bring revival? Would you revive your church? Would you revive your people? Would, would, would America see a revival that we've never seen before? Would we see an awakening, the third great awakening, that would come and just bring just a move of your spirit that would be unprecedented? And so we're dependent upon you. And so, Lord, we look to you today. We ask for your help for your encouragement. Would would you even now, as we look to your word, give us ears to hear by faith and and help us to respond together as your people so that you would be glorified. And we pray this together. And if you know Jesus, we say, Amen. 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 All right. Well, open your Bible, if you would, to Philippians. We are in Philippians chapter 1 today, verses 27 to 30. 
So if you have a Bible, turn there or find it on your app, whatever you need to do. And uh, if, if you've been with us, you know we've been in a series this summer called Citizens of Heaven, Residents of America. And so we are finishing up that series next week. And then we're going to be shifting gears to a new series we're going to be starting up in a few weeks called Hills and Valleys, Learning to Trust God Regardless. And we're going to look at the prophet Elijah and learn from his life. If you, have, if, if you can't remember Elijah or you've never met Elijah in the Bible or you forget, like, oh, I can't even find where that's at, well, well we're going to help you, uh, but we're going to just learn some amazing lessons from his life about how to live in the hills and valleys. But that's in a couple weeks. But until then, we, God has a word for us this morning. And so I want you to kind of put on your imagination cap. What is that? I don't even know why. What's an imagine? You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Imagine if you would, right? And I want you to imagine some things with me, right? Imagine a church that's facing external opposition, right? Imagine a church in a culture that is opposed to God and opposed to Jesus as the only way to God. Imagine a church trying to live in that kind of culture and, and even those things start to creep into the church and affect the church. And, and, and imagine a, a government in that area where that church is that is kind of keeping a tighter watch on that church and watching what they say and do and making sure that they don't do something that's going to upset the government. Imagine that. Can you imagine that? Imagine a church that's facing internal opposition. There are people who go to this church who believe and are teaching other people things that aren't found in the Word of God, that aren't based on the truth of God's Word. They're, they're teaching things that are false, or they're even saying things that are not true about how you can get to God and undermining the gospel. Imagine that. Internal opposition. Imagine, too, if you will, there's conflict in this church, that some people want things to be a certain way, and know we need to do it this way, and, and if you don't do it this way, then I'm going to be upset, and maybe I won't even stay at that church. Imagine that, or people get upset and create division, and some are even considering leaving the church. Can, can you imagine a church like that? Like, what would you tell this church to do? If they were facing this kind of opposition and conflict. What would you do if you were part of that kind of church that was facing those kind of situations? Well, this is not an imaginary church. Honestly, it could be almost any church in America today. But that's, this church is the church in Philippi that was started in the middle of the first century that the Apostle Paul helped plant. He started the church in Philippi by God's grace. It's located in southeast Greece. And the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, you're facing this opposition externally and you're facing internal opposition and there's conflict in the church. And so he says, I'm going to write you a letter. And so he writes this letter to the church and they read it in front of the church. And he says some things to them to help them with the things that they're facing. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 to 30, are Paul's words, well, actually God's words, through Paul to a church that's facing external opposition, internal opposition, and conflict. God's got a word for us. We need to hear this word. 
If you're here with us, I just want to invite you, if you would, just stand up. I'm going to read God's word. We, we, sometimes we stand just to remind us that, that this is, we're, we're hearing the words of God. If you're at home, you're welcome to stand as well. And, and let me just read these few verses for us. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, Paul says, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it's been granted to you, it's been granted to you, that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you you saw I had, and now hear that I still have the word of the Lord this morning. Please be seated. Look again at verse 27, chapter 1. Look what it says. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Philippi was a Roman colony. Roman colonies were like little Roman cities of Rome scattered all across the Mediterranean world. Rome you know, marched through and they conquered cities. And when they conquered a city, they turned that city into a Roman colony. And so they kind of exported Rome to all those cities. So if you lived in one of those cities like Philippi, it's as if you're living in Rome. You spoke Latin, which was the language of Rome. You dressed like a Roman. You looked like a Roman. You had customs like Rome. You lived like a Roman citizen because you were a colony of Rome. And so Philippi is like that. And so Paul here in in verse 27, he's saying, like, like, you know, Philippians full well, the privileges and responsibilities of being a Roman citizen. Like you get that. And you know how in Philippi, even though we're miles away from Rome itself. That it's just like you're living in Rome when when you're in Philippi. And so he uses a play on words. And you don't see it necessarily in this translation. But but in verse 27, he's really kind of doing a play on words. Because this phrase, let your manner of life, is a word that means citizenship. It's this word that means, you know, just like you know what it's like to be a Roman citizen and to live as a Roman citizen, even though we're not in Rome, you still live like that. He's like, catch this, let your heavenly citizenship reflect the gospel and be worthy of the gospel. Right? That's why we're in this series this summer called Citizens of Heaven residents of America, because even though the Philippians, they're living in this Roman colony and they have these customs and behaviors, he's saying, listen, your primary allegiance, church, is to the, the to heaven, to the kingdom of God. And so let that citizenship, let your heavenly citizenship, let your kingdom of God citizenship be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of living in the culture that you're part of. Church, we need to hear this message. 
Because we live too much like Americans and not enough like citizens of heaven. Something else I want you to see here. See, we hear this, right? I hear it. You hear it. It says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. And we immediately think individually. Well, that's just a message for me and for you. And so individually, you've got to work that out. Well, actually, it's a plural word. Let your manner of life be worthy like you plural. He's writing to you church. So he's like saying together. Like, you know, they're thinking together, not just alone. Yes, it matters how each of us live individually, but together let our manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Like church, live in such a way that us together, our manner of life, and includes you online as well, be worthy of the gospel. So if you were to assess like, okay, how are we doing as a church in this? What would you say? Like, how are we doing at Pathway in letting our manner of living as a church be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, think about scale one to ten, right? You know, ten's the highest, one's the lowest. Like, maybe you say, man, we're just like knocking it out of the park. We rock. I'd be like, well, that's kind of you, but maybe we're not that at that point. You know, others you're like, man, you know, we're not doing so well. We're not very good at that, and we got ways to go. Maybe you'd be like, I, I don't even know what it means to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. So how do I even evaluate that? What do you think? How are we doing in this? How are you doing in living your life in a manner that's worthy? That's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How are we doing in this? Well, let's find out. Because in these verses, God gives us, through Paul, three specific ways that we as a church are to live together in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. So he kind of helps us. He's like, okay, here are the specifics of what this looks like for you to live this out as a church. All right? So you you ready to go? Three specifics to live worthy of the gospel. Are you here today? Okay. You still there online? Don't go get coffee you know now's the time to listen all right we live first of all in a manner worthy of the gospel by standing firm together for the gospel standing firm together do you see it there so that whether i come paul says and see you or whether i'm absent i may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind do you see that That's what he's talking about. So one of the ways we live worthy of the gospel is by standing firm together. So have you ever heard or seen these commercials, this new exercise fad? It's called the Peloton bike. Yeah, we know. I mean, we've all seen those commercials, right? The Peloton bike, right? And you get this bike and get in your house and you can connect in and ride with other people. And so even though I'm alone, I'm connecting in with other people. I didn't know this till this week studying, but but do you know what the word Peloton means? Like where it comes from? Probably you're like, oh yeah, we know this, right? It's a French word. You probably knew that. And it's a French word that they would use like in the Tour de France, right? Do you catch that accent I had there? And... um 
And so the Tour de France, when they're riding these bikes uh, like up and down the Alps, and so the, each team, what they do, the wind resistance, like it affects how you, you know, make progress. And so in order to cut through the wind, they form like a V formation as cyclists. And the front guy and then the others. And that kind of helps them cut through the wind. And, and they, as a group, they form this group together in order to oppose the wind resistance that's coming at them. That word for doing that, guess what that word is? Peloton. How cool is that? Yeah, well, so you, you learned something new today. So good for you. And um, that's what Paul's talking about in this passage. Now, they didn't have a Peloton bike or Tour de France then, but, 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 the, but it comes from God. Like standing firm together, one unit, one mind, one spirit in the gospel. See, the, the church in America today is under attack. Like we got headwinds. There are headwinds coming. We're facing them every day, and, and there's at least three headwinds that are threatening the gospel that, church, if we don't stand together in this, if we don't form a peloton and stand against the headwinds, we will not survive. Here's, here's three. There's, there's a number of them, but here's at least three of them. The first is the current of extreme individualism. It's meism. It's me. It's like, you know, be true to yourself, like do what you feel like, you know, you do you and I'll do me. I mentioned that last week, right? Like, you know, you do your thing, I'll do my thing and you can't tell me what to do and I won't tell you what to do. And it's like extreme meism. Here's the thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ sets us free from selfishness. To live not for ourselves and to live for our desires of our flesh, but to live for the glory of Jesus Christ and to live as his people together to accomplish his purposes in his kingdom. That's what the gospel does. It stands against extreme individualism. And we need each other to live this out. We need community desperately today. More than ever, we need community. I, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I, I was this week, I just like, I feel, I mean, Nathaniel alluded to this as well, but I miss you. We need each other. We've been, I mean, listen, we can't make COVID go away, right? I mean, that, it is what it is. But, but as a church, and I'm thankful for live streaming, and I don't want you to feel like, oh man, you know, like he's trying to manipulate me to come. No, absolutely not. But what I want you to know is that we can't live this life of following Jesus alone, and we need each other to stand firm together as one mind and one spirit. And if we don't have that, then it's going to affect us spiritually. I need you to speak into my life. Like if I'm drifting out of the, the, the peloton... Right. If I'm like, you know, like we're in the V formation and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm over here. I need somebody to say, hey, Kurt, come back. We need you like you're walking out of step here. And you need me to say that to you sometimes. And we need each other. That's why we have groups. We have groups that where we like get in each other's lives and, and you need that. And, and like we just it, it, Christianity is not a do it yourself, Lone Ranger experiment. 
That's why we're trying to figure out this worship gathering in September, and, and I hope some of you can come if you're able to. And, and just I, Listen, we need to be in community, standing firm as one mind and one spirit in the gospel. That's how we resist these headwinds. The, the headwind of individual extremism, we have to stand firm together. Second one is we have to stand firm against the current of privatized faith. You know, it's okay for, for you to practice what you want to believe and for me to practice what I want to believe. You know what the problem is? Is when I start to say that what, what I believe is what you also need to know about because, you know, if you don't know this, you're going to be condemned to an eternity in hell. All of a sudden now, you're now imposing what you believe on me and that's not cool in our culture. And so because of that, we feel this. We feel this. All of us feel this. That the spirit of this age says, you know what? You can believe what you want, I'll believe what I want, but do not impose what you believe on me. Don't try to get me to believe what you believe. You're like, what are you talking about? Okay, try this experiment in case, if you don't believe me. This week, go out and tell people, you know, Jesus is the only way to God. And unless you trust in Jesus by faith, there's no other way you can be saved and you're condemned to an eternity in hell. You say that and all of, all of a sudden you're going to know what I'm talking about. And because of the spirit of the age, we are afraid to say that. I, I feel it. But guess what? We, that's why we need to stand firm together in the spirit, one mind, so that we can encourage each other to continue to take a stand and not compromise and to not give up because people still need Jesus and they're dying and going to hell apart from him and we're sitting here quiet about it. Church in America is under attack three currents that threaten the gospel and we have to stand firm together. Last one, these are related, right? Is the current of universalism. I was shocked by this statistic, but this week I found that Bar- uh, Baylor, uh, University of Baylor in Texas did a study and they, they found 63% of people in the church say that everyone will go to heaven. Wow. If everyone's going to go to heaven, no matter who you are, what you believe, then there must not be a hell. And then why do we even need Jesus? Sixty-three percent. Like I'm like, come on! I hope pathway is like way lower. But, but I got to believe some of us are like believing into that lie that everyone will go to heaven when they die. Because that is not what the Bible teaches. That's not reality. I mean, every one of us, because of our rebellion against God, is under the condemnation of sin and the wrath of God. And as a result, every human being will spend eternity in hell separated from God unless we trust in Jesus. And God, out of his love for us and for the world, sent his son so that all who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so believe in Jesus and have eternal life and you have no fear of condemnation. But see, we need each other to stand firm against these currents, don't we? we? We need each other. We need to remind each other. Because guess what? Every day we're being bombarded with the lies of the culture. So to live worthy 
of the gospel as a church means we stand firm together in one mind and one spirit. We form a peloton. Here's the second. There's three uh, specifics from this passage that we see of what it looks like to, to live worthy. We live wor- in a manner worthy of the gospel as a church. Here's the second one. It's related to the first. It's striving together for the faith of the gospel. Look at verses 27 and 28. It continues. He says, So whether I come and see you, or I'm absent, I may hear of you, that you are not just standing firm in one mind and one spirit, but striving, underline striving, side by side for the faith of the gospel. And not frightened by your opponents. But this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Have you ever heard of pickleball? Anybody heard of pickleball before? It's kind of a lame, lame name for a game. Uh, it sounds kind of wimpy, but it, it's pretty intense. It can be. So anyhow, last Thursday, this past Thursday, I played pickleball and I played with uh, some guys from the church. So Jason, our associate pastor and Danny Gutman and, and Adam Steverson, we went out, we found a court, we played pickleball, right? And it's like tennis and ping pong combined. Right? So that's what's kind of like. Anyhow, uh, we're playing together. It turns out that Danny and Jason are on one team, and, and I'm with Adam on the other side, and we're, and we're playing. And, and Danny and Jason, like, they were whooping on us, right? I mean, they. So if you're listening, I hope you are, right? Like, right? You, you guys. But so Adam and I are like, Adam and I are like, enough of this. Like, it was wounding our pride. And so we're like, listen, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta beat them. And Jason especially is quite good. So we're like, no more of this. So Adam and I, like, we turned it up a notch, and we said we're we're going after it, and we focused, and we worked hard, and every point, man, we were like, yes. And, and, and you know what happened? We won. Woohoo! Right? Like, take that. We were striving. Together to win. Now we see that in sports, right? You, you can think of different competitions and, and different sporting events where, where a team just like comes together and they strive and they are, have a singular focus. And, and it's like no matter what, we are going to do this. And they move forward and they win. That's the image here that, that we're called to live worthy of the gospel means we strive. We strive together, side by side, for the gospel to advance. Our mission, I mentioned it earlier, is to help people find and follow Jesus. That's what we're about. And we want to help people that don't know Jesus to find and follow him. And that's what we want to be about. That's what we want to stay laser focused on. And, and like, can you imagine, like, just think with me for a moment. Can you imagine if every single person that's part of Pathway says, hey, I am, I am striving with you for that. Like, we are laser focused on helping people find and follow Jesus. 
you know what, we are so committed to that. Like, we, we're going to get together and pray and come together and just like, let's pray for people that don't know Jesus. Let's, let's seek the Lord. Let's ask him to do this. We're going to talk in our groups about how can we do this? How are you doing in that? How's it going? Like, how can we do this better? How can we improve in this? Like, helping people find and follow Jesus. Imagine this. I mean, if our whole church, not just a few of us or the pastors... Or, or the elders, but imagine if we're like all together as one unit, striving, singular focus on helping people find and follow Jesus. Imagine what God might do with that. Imagine the spirit filling that might come to us as we're focused on that. Like, like, I think we have some room to improve in this area. Not that we're not doing it, but I think, you know, like, we're kind of out of formation in this. Like, what if we're thinking creatively and, and praying for new ideas and, like, God, how might you use us and, and what do you have for us? And, like, man, we come together and rally together and, like, we're going to defeat the enemy and we're going to see people come to know Jesus. God can do that in us. God wants to do that in us. It's not that it's not happening, but I think the Lord has a lot more for us in this area. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now here's the deal. When you do this, when you come together like that, and you strive together for the gospel, you will face opposition. We will face opposition. You'll face opposition from outside, people that are opposed to the gospel, and like, man, no way, no way. Like, you know, Jesus isn't the only way to God. Like, what about Hinduism and Buddhism and Islam and Judaism? And, and, and I mean, like, what about just like, you know, the, I just feel good about God, so I must be going to heaven. But you also face opposition inside the church. Like, man, that guy's so so extreme about evangelism and, and, and the gospel. And, and like, why did he just go back on vacation? Paul says, don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid when people oppose us for the gospel. Church, don't be discouraged and, and, and alarmed when that happens. Because it's a sign. When people oppose us for the gospel, it's a sign. What kind of sign is being opposed for the gospel? Well, he tells us it confirms two things. When people oppose us because of the gospel, it's a sign that they're not saved. When people oppose the gospel, when people oppose the gospel, it's a sign of their destruction. That they need Jesus. That they need to know the grace of God. But it's also a sign for those that are being persecuted for the gospel. That they are saved. P people that don't know Jesus and don't love the gospel. Don't risk being persecuted for it. That doesn't happen. That's why Matthew 5.11, Jesus says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we face persecution, when we face opposition for the gospel, be encouraged, Paul says. 
Because that's a sign that you know Jesus and belong to Him. Like, like what, what kind of things are you striving for in your life? What kind of things are you striving for? Like working with, with, with just a, man, I, I'm just like, I'm focused on this. May the Lord, by His grace, by His Spirit, help us to strive together for the gospel to advance in this region and across the world. May the Lord give us a singular focus on that as a church. May the Lord help us to be laser focused on helping people find and follow Him. And may we see just such a great move of His Spirit as a result. That's what it means to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. But here's the last one. And this is probably the hardest. As citizens of heaven, we as a church are to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. And this third one is, we live in a manner worthy of the gospel by suffering for the name of Jesus. Look at verses 29 and 30. For it has been granted to you, church, that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Imagine I have two gifts up here this morning. I've wrapped them. I've got them all ready for you. I've got two two gifts, right? And uh, they're not really big gifts, but I say, okay, here, I'm going to give you these gifts this morning, right? So maybe I invite you up one by one, and you come up here, and I give you, give you this gift. And then, you know, here I've got another gift for you. I give you this gift. And then you go back, and you all have your gifts, right? How do you like your gift? I wrap pretty, pretty nice wrapping job, right? And, um, and so you take your gifts, and you unwrap your gifts. And the first gift that you unwrap it's like, it's a gift certificate, and it says, this is a certificate that gives you the gift of faith, to believe in Jesus. Wow. And then you open up the second one, and, and it's also a gift certificate that says, this is a gift that allows you to suffer for the name of Jesus. Can I give that one back? That's what Paul says. Did you see that? Did you hear that in the text? He says, it has been granted. Been granted means it has been, it's a gift of grace. That's what the word really means. It's a gift of grace to you for the sake of Christ. And there's two gifts. First, that you should believe in Jesus. Did you know it's a gift of grace that we believe in Jesus? Ephesians 2, 8 says, For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, not by works, but as a gift of God, so that no one will boast. Our salvation, the grace that we have, and the faith to access that grace is a gift from God. It comes from God, so that we don't say, hey, look, I'm the one that made God save me. No, it's by grace. The other gift of grace, though, that comes with it, and it's a package deal, you can't take one and not the other, is the gift of suffering. Suffering. 
Now, listen, we, all, we live in a fallen, broken world. And every one of us as human beings suffers. We all suffer. We suffer job loss. We suffer financial difficulties. We have health issues. We suffer. I mean, suffering is a part of our reality in a fallen world, right? We get this. And the good news of being a Christian is, is the promise that God says all things work together for good for those who know God and be called according to His purpose, Romans 8.28. And it's like, you know, when you face suffering like all the rest of the world does, God's going to use that in your life if you allow it to make you more like Jesus. That's good news. Not that we say, hey, sign me up for suffering. No, you don't got to pray for suffering. Suffering's going to come. But that's not the kind of suffering he's talking about. He's talking about a different kind of suffering. And it's for the sake of Jesus. It's the kind of suffering that happens when you say, you know what, my coworker, like we've been together for a number of years and we've kind of talked around spiritual things. Like they know I'm a Christian and go to church and, and we've talked, but, but I've never kind of gone to the next place of just telling them about the good news that unless you believe in Jesus, you're going to go to hell and spend eternity in hell. So you need to trust Jesus so you can have the gift of eternal life and forgiveness. Like I just haven't been able to do that. Or I haven't been able to stand up and live a righteous life, you know, or, or you know, like maybe I try to stand up and, and, and then in the midst of that, like I face persecution for that because I try to live for Jesus. See, it's when we live for Jesus' sake that he's saying, then you're going to face suffering. When we suffer for Jesus, something happens in that. And I, I'm not an expert in this by any means, because I think even as American Christians, we have a long way to grow in this. But, but in, in Philippians 3.10, Paul says this. He prays that he would know Jesus. He'd know Jesus and the power of the resurrection that he may share in his sufferings. Now, we don't go looking for this. We don't try to, you know, oh, I got, no, no. But, but what happens is when you live for Jesus in the world that's opposed to him, we will face opposition and there'll be persecution that can come from that. And when that happens, there is something that there's an intimacy that takes place with Jesus that you can't find in any other way. When you're when you suffer for righteousness sake, when you suffer for the name of Jesus, there's an intimacy with God that happens that doesn't happen any other way. Now listen, I have not experienced a ton of suffering, but I have experienced some as a pastor and just as a, as a follower of Jesus. I mean, we started, God called us to start Pathway 15 years ago. There were uh, friends that came with us and, and like, hey, you're going to start a church and, and, and they're followers of Jesus and they're friends of mine. And, hey, come and be part of this. And then along the way, some some things come up, come up where you know, I, I have to take a stand for the gospel and, and this is what it means to follow Jesus and not this. And, and, and over time, some of those people that I knew just kind of drifted off because they're like, wow, you know, like really you're going you're gonna to say that because of that, that, that's the issue of, you know, you, you follow Jesus, you do this and not this and like, ah, no thanks and they leave. And this week, the Lord reminded me, like, you know, that's a part of suffering for righteousness when you lose friendships because you take a stand for the gospel. 
And that's hard. That's hard. Paul says, you're not alone in this, though. When that happens, you're not alone in this. He says, this is what you saw happen to me, and and that's what you now hear about. Like, that's what's going on with me, Paul says. Right now, I am suffering for righteousness' sake. He's like, you knew about this. Like, when Paul first went to Philippi, he went with Silas, and they go there, and they're they're meeting people, and there's a slave girl. It says she had a demonic spirit, and and she had this spirit of divination, right? It's fortune-telling. She could tell the future. It's horoscopes, it's astrology, right? It's, it's this evil spirit of, of divination. And so this, this slave girl, she's going around and she's following Paul and Silas. I love this. It talks about it in Acts 16. It says, these men are servants of the Most High God. And, and so she's running around following them every day, saying this over and over and over. These men are the servants of the Most High God. And, and like Paul, it says in the passage, like he gets annoyed with this. <laughs> I love when it says that because it's like, you know, Paul's human. And so he commands the spirit to come out of her and it comes out immediately. And the owners of this slave girl, they get upset with them because they were making money off of her. And now they can't make money anymore because she's not telling the future and doing horoscopes and astrology and all that stuff. And so, so they have them... They drag them off to the, the court and have them, you know, stand trial. And so they throw them into prison. And so Paul and Silas are now in prison for, for taking a stand for what's right and, and following Jesus and, and casting out an evil spirit. So anyhow, earthquake hits at night. Maybe you know this story. It's a great one. And the earthquake comes and, and you know, Paul and Silas are in these stockades and people are in their cells. And all of a sudden the earthquake, it opens up the doors and the stockades come off. And, and it's like, wow, we're free, but everybody stays there. No one leaves. The, the jailer, he wakes up, and he's like taking his sword, and he's like, he sees all the uh, doors are open, people are out, he's going to kill himself. And Paul says, hold on, we're all here. We didn't leave yet. Next thing you know, Paul leads him to Jesus. And he says, not just you, but your whole house is going to come to believe. And he goes to his house, he presents the gospel, and the jailer's whole house comes to know Jesus and gets baptized right then. I'm like, are you kidding me? Wow. But he's like, not only that, like you guys know, not only that, but, but, but like right now, I'm in chains in Rome. Because Paul was arrested for preaching the gospel. And he appealed to Nero, so they took him to Rome. He's under house arrest in Rome, waiting to see Nero. And he's chained day in and day out to a Roman guard. Different Roman, I can imagine, like, okay, my eight-hour shift's over, it's your turn. Next guy comes, okay, shackle me up, so I'm standing here, here's Paul. And all, all Paul does, every day, hey, do you know about Jesus? I mean, the guy's chained to him, right? Do you know about Jesus? Let me tell you about Jesus. And guess what? Roman guard after Roman guard comes to believe in Jesus, because Paul's chained right to him, and he's not going to stop talking about Jesus. Suffering for Jesus becomes an opportunity to advance the gospel. 
Like, that's what Paul's experience was. He's like, yeah, it's hard, it's hard, but, but when you suffer for Jesus, like, God uses that, and, the, and there's intimacy that comes with Jesus, but also it's an opportunity to advance the gospel. And so, like, imagine, like, if we had that perspective, like, wow, we, we, we suffer for the name of Jesus and telling people the good news and living righteously in the world, and, and, and we get persecuted as a result of that. And we're like, you know what? gives me a closer walk with God, and guess what? God's going to use that to see more people come to know Him. Wow! As citizens of heaven, as a church, God calls us to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. To stand firm together for the gospel. To strive side by side together in the faith for the gospel. To suffer for the sake of Jesus How are we doing in this? Today we celebrate communion together. And I'm so glad we get to celebrate it. We're going to come together now. And I just was thinking about communion. And I'm like, wow, you know, what communion is, is we remember the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, Jesus. And we remember how for the joy that was before him, seeing us come to know him, he, he endured the cross and despised the shame. And he endured the death and resurrection and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he is our leader. He is the one who's, who's leading the way. And I just imagined like this peloton. Remember the peloton, the V formation? Imagine like Jesus is the point of that. And he's standing there, and we're, we're lined up behind him, standing behind him, following him in formation, and walking with him by faith because he's our leader and he saved us. And communion, like when we come together this morning for communion, it's like coming together and remember, hey, are we, are we lining up in the peloton formation behind Jesus? And maybe, maybe some, of, some of us are out of step and it's like, Lord, would you forgive me? I, I need to stand for you and I need to, to strive for you and suffer for you. And, and so we ask for forgiveness and he says, yeah. And then we say, I'm, I'm choosing today to stand with you in formation to go forward. I just imagine our church this morning as we take communion, whether you're at home or here, like we're, we're lining up in this peloton with Jesus at the head, and, and we're like, I'm choosing to stand for Jesus, no matter what, by grace in him. And so we're going to take communion here. We've got uh, here in, in our uh, auditorium, we have pre-packaged communion. It's a cup with wafer inside. And so we're going to have a couple people pass those out. You don't have to come and get those. They're going to pass them to you. And then if you know Jesus, I invite you to take one and you have to peel off the wafer first. And then you have the second thing is peel off the juice cup. And we're going to just hold those once you get that ready. And we're going to take it together. For those of at home, if you want to get your, your bread and your juice. And then in a moment, once everybody has that, we're going to take it together and just finish by worshiping the Lord. And so go ahead and pass those out. And let's make sure everybody that, that is ready to receive it has one so that we can remember him. Mm-hmm.